You've got to create content that makes the pain of same greater than the pain of change. Pat Spenner. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Alright kiddos, so today we're talking Challenger Cell. This is a fabulous book for businesses of every kind, how to get more sales. What are the attributes of top performing salespeople and companies? Because it's very attached to the organization, not just the individuals. What are those strategies, tactics, techniques that are getting better results than everybody else? Okay. This was this is an incredible book. I'm going to give you a few things from the intro here to kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about before I jump into some of my quotes and whatever. He starts with a history of sales, right? I mean, way back when. Um, and there are a couple of breakthroughs. I'm actually going to jump to the second breakthrough because the first one's not earth shattering for me. Um, second breakthrough, um, it happened in July, 1925 when the EK strong published the psychology of selling the seminal work introduced the idea of sales techniques, such as features and benefits, objection, handling, Uh, closing, and perhaps most important, open and closed questioning. Uh, Perhaps the most important aspect of this contribution was the idea that selling wasn't an innate ability. It was a set of identifiable skills that could be learned. Okay, then breakthrough three, breakthrough four, and then uh, the fourth breakthrough is what basically became this book, um, the Challenger Cell and the work of the CEB, basically this massive amount of research from the CEB and, and what they took to create this Challenger Cell is very solid research over, um, like, I think he says they followed 35,000 different salespeople across multiple companies. And this was a multiple year study uh, and finding what what behaviors, what abilities, what talents, what dynamics of the company like created the best salespeople. So this research put them into five buckets. Putting salespeople into five buckets, the research claimed that salespeople fell into one of five distinct profiles. The hard worker, the challenger, the relationship builder, the lone wolf, the reactive problem solver. So if you're a salesperson or you uh, kind of work with them, what kind of people do you know that are in cells? Do they match any of those um, profiles? And I'll get into them a little bit more here in just a sec. So surveys of customers consistently show that they put the highest value on salespeople who make them think, who bring new ideas, who find creative and innovative ways to help their customers' business. So they want people to teach them things. They don't want just some salesperson to show up and say, I've got a product for you. You should buy it. Right. I mean, I don't think most salespeople do that, but the point is you want to have a salesperson that can show up to a complex business, have some new perspective, new ideas, some market knowledge and say, here's a risk or a uh, threat that's coming down the pike. Here's a mitigation to that risk. Here's an opportunity. I can help you solve that exact problem that I'm explaining. So 
that's what companies want in a salesperson. And when they get that, they actually develop a very strong relationship with that company and become much more loyal. Evolving journey journey of solution selling, right? So the process that I just explained is solution selling. Here's a problem. Here's the solution. We've got, got, you, got you covered. So what set the best reps apart was wasn't so much their ability to succeed in a down economy, but their ability to succeed in a complex sales model, one that places a huge burden on both reps and customers to think and behave different, differently. That model is often referred to as a solution selling or solutions approach or simply solutions and has come to dominate sales and marketing strategies across the last 10 to 20 years. The key to its success is the creation of bundled offerings that not only meet broader customer needs in a unique and valuable way, but also that competitors can't easily replicate. Okay, so here we go. The 40 four attributes we tested fell into five distinct groups, each containing a very different combination of rep characteristics. So the hard worker, I'm going to break these down for you. The hard worker, always willing to go the extra mile, doesn't give up easily, self-motivated, interested in feedback and development. Uh, So 21% of reps fell into that bucket. 27% of reps fell into the challenger. Um, And the challenger is always has a different view of the world, understands the customer's business, loves to debate and pushes the customer. Uh, 21% of reps fell into the relationship builder and they build strong, uh, builds strong advocates in customer organizations, generous in giving time to help others Gets along with everyone. The lone wolf, 18% of the sample size, follows own instincts, self-assured, difficult to control. (laughs) And 14% of the sample size is the reactive problem solver, reliably responds to internal and external stakeholders, ensures that all problems are solved, detail-oriented. Okay, so that's the breakdown. Those are some of their attributes that they exhibit. Now, we're going to get into some things where we talk about who's actually who actually gets the best results and who gets the worst. So finding number two is the title of this, this uh, little section here. And it says one clear winner and one clear loser. So who wins? The answer is the challenger by a landslide. So there's a little graph here. It won't show up well if I held it up to the the camera because of the filter, but um, it's got bar graphs and it shows basically the percentage of the core performers and then the percentage of high performers. And um, the challenger was second highest in core performers, but it was by far the highest in in high performers. So it's 23% of core and 39% of high performers were challenger reps. On the other hand, the relationship builder was only 7% of high performers. So the relationship builders is not that they can't be high performers, but only 7% of them were high performers. And 26% of them, which is the highest for percentage of core performers. So interesting. The second highest for um, high performers was the lone wolf. 
So if you think back to their attributes, that lone wolf was like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make it happen. They're sort of um, willing to do their own risk it all, kind of the risk it to get the biscuit kind of people, right? Um, so I thought that was very interesting. So what truly sets up, sets them apart? In our analysis of the 44 or so attributes we tested, six of them showed up as statistically significant in defining someone as a challenger rep. And here they are. They offer the customer unique perspectives, has a strong two-way communication skills, knows the individual customer's value drivers, can identify economic drivers of the customer's business, is comfortable discussing money, can pressure the customer. The way they um, describe these attributes is pretty intriguing. Um, You know, this is someone that's not afraid to kind of hold their own to discuss money, push a little bit, explain a problem that is coming and say that I'm the solution and I'm the best solution. And then, of course, the customer says, well, we like what you're offering, but we can only do it if we get a discount. They're not quick to just say, well, okay, I'll get you a discount. They're kind of like, well, here's the value again. Let me remind you the value and I'll show you, maybe bring you some more value, but without changing the price, right? Very comfortable in that situation. They can control the room. And that's one thing that I've... uh, seen in my own life and in business is those that are when when there's no one in control when you're not driving the room you don't have the ability to sort of steer people in the direction you want to go things just go in every direction especially the more people you get in the room you get a bunch of key players in a room they're typically people that are motivated driven self-confident have a certain knowledge base they all have their own ideas and so if you're not steering the conversation and taking control, it's going to get crazy, especially you get those people in there. A challenger is really defined by the ability to do three things, teach, tailor, and take control. So they teach for differentiation during the sales interaction. Um, They tailor for resonance, delivering the right message to the right person within the customer organization. And finally, they are comfortable discussing money and can, when needed, press the customer a bit. In this way, the challenger takes control of the sell. Most of the book from here on out um, is sort of like a roadmap, a step-by-step process for how a company can develop challenger salespeople. And it's very much an organizational structure. So a lot of what they discuss is how an organization can wrap wrap their arms around uh, their big salespeople. And that a lot of the a lot of companies find that you know a large percentage of their business actually comes from a few of their salespeople. So how do you um, empower that salesperson? to have access to resources within your company, support, um, the ability to hand over a customer to your company once they've done their thing and go on to another customer, right? Uh, So structuring your organization around your challenger sales instead of the other way, instead of sending a rep out and say, this is what we do, go sell it. um, You sort of say, what do you need to sell this? And let's create that structure. So it's about showing customers how much better their life would be if they just acted differently. It's about behaving differently, not buying differently. 
So this is what cha challengers can provide to those customers, right? I'm skipping a ton of this book as far as my highlights and stuff, because like I said, it's like the details of like, here's step one, step two, step three, to create challenger salespeople within your organization and structure around them. So I think this is my last thing that I want to share with you. It says, don't just change the training, change what happens before and after. Okay, so um, outside of compensation, sales training represents one of the biggest discretionary spending areas for a sales organization. It also represents one of the biggest time and money sinks. Research by Neil Rackman has shown that 87% of sales training content is forgotten by reps within 30 days. So here's a few things that need to be done in your sales training organization first. They are boosted, boosting rep demands for change and generating training buzz before it is rolled out. Second, they're engineering high quality experiential learning that gives reps a sense of safe practice focused on real accounts. And third, they're creating sustained behavioral certification programs to reinforce learning over time. So this is an excellent book, The Challenger Cell. Um, the author is Neil Rackman author of Spin Selling. This one's definitely going to stay in my library. Uh, I think it was based on good research. The result was um, very clear, and it's a very good step-by-step -step guide for any business person to improve yourself or your teams. So anyway, I'll, I'll drop the link below. So please go purchase that from Amazon and uh, that way I'll get a little kickback. Give me a like, subscribe, share this with your friends, family circles, and uh, I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.